thank you for doing this with us. Zach is my co-host. He's going to just let her rip and tell you what we're doing here. This will be a you know, 30, 35 minute convo where we, uh, we're talking to very interesting people that have amazing occupations. So Zach, let her rip. Hey, Christine. So basically Jared here spent, you know, 10 years as the number one jingle writer in the world, penning jingles for companies, products, TV shows, et cetera. Recently he sold the company and he has a two year non-competitive clause where he's not allowed to be doing jingles anymore. So he's looking for a new gig. So what we're doing here on occupational therapy is I'm helping him meet some people like yourself who have accomplished a lot in your field and maybe see if Jared's got a second career beyond the jingle world doing something like what you do, you know, or what anyone else. You're not allowed to make jingles for other companies anymore. That's that's the law. That's the I can't get into it, but I, when you sell the business, they take the trade with you, and uh, that and is. And you sold uh, it to IMG. I ended up selling it once to William Morris Endeavor, uh, and then once to the Ontario Teachers Pension. But um, you know, the Jingle Punk still exists. I am riding the pine, as they say in the sports world, for uh, two years. But um, the good news is, so who, who owns it now? The teachers, the Ontario teachers' pension. Oh, the WMEIMG is not. No more. But offline, I'll tell you, I was about to go into business with them in this new business. That's a story for a whole other day. But um, no, let's please have that one day. But also, thank God you didn't because they might not exist anymore. I, it was weird timing. I have some people say I have horseshoes, but essentially, in this show, we basically want to hear every single person that we've met that's like you, whether it's Steve Levitan who created Modern Family or Timothy White, the world famous photographer, or even Craig Susser, people with interesting jobs have the most interesting and amazing stories about how they actually got to where they are. And that's really what this is about. So we wanna hear, you know, we know that you are a sports journalist, you're an on-camera talent, but we wanna know before all of that, how did you even end up in this business? Take us to uh, the beginning of that. Okay, wait, sorry. I want to just make sure the part that we were talking about before is not going to be on there. No, right? I'm cutting that out because okay, I don't need I don't need Ari sniping me from the top of a building. Same. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, so I'll rephrase the question. So okay, yeah. before you were um, a well-known television personality, uh, you know, chopping it up with some of the biggest personalities in the world, how did you? Where did you start? How did you even end up where you are? Take us to the beginning. First of all, excuse my my child, my new puppy. She's got to be under 24-hour watch, so she's going to do this with me. Um, but I started, when I was in high school, I actually, I sang, um, and I always thought it was going to be Britney Spears, but I was also a cheerleader, and I loved sports. My parents did not support the idea of pursuing a career to be a pop star, so I combined the two and figured I'll do sports broadcasting. So I chose to go to school specifically for that. Um, and I went to school in Boston and I started working when I was in college. So I took classes specifically for that. And then I, uh, studied abroad in Los <laughs> Angeles and I, uh, I interned for, uh, KCBS KCAL, which at the time had the Lakers rights. And by the end of my internship, I was actually doing a little bit of on-air stuff. And then I went back to finish school in Boston and I started working for the Celtics and for WBEI while I was still in my last year of school. 
Zach is, uh, I can see his eyes widening because he's a huge sports fan. I know you want to say something about that. Oh, no, I, I you know, I, I have a broadcast journalism major as well. I was on ESPN for a while. I have a hosting career and I, it's very hard to get those jobs. So I'm impressed that you in college, you were able to get to the internship and the on-camera point in such a short amount of time. I worked my ass off always. So like when other people in college were excited to go on spring break, I was excited because the editing bays were open for a week. All right. So I would spend that whole week in an editing bay working on my senior project or my reel. Um, and I was sending my reel out in my resume, I think first semester senior year. So I was really determined because also like not unlike right now, um, it was 2009 when I graduated. So we were in a recession at the time and uh, the job market was horrible. So I was really nervous. I wasn't going to find a job. And so I tried really hard and um, contacted all the people that I had interned for previously. Um, and what happened was so the Celtics saw what I was doing with the Lakers and they were like, oh, you live in Boston. This is perfect. <laughs> and then... I had interned for um, a sports PR company because I thought it was important to get kind of both sides of the business. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to everyone I'd interned for and I said, hey, if you know of any jobs or if you can give me any advice, um, please let me know. I'm, I'm going to be graduating in the spring. And one of the guys I interned for knew a guy at WEI and they were starting this new show and it was just perfect. Um, and I thought at that time, the traditional route was to go to like Idaho right. or the middle of nowhere and start your, your jobs there, but you were on TV and, um, I didn't do that. I, I was, I went straight digital. I was, wasn't That's on TV. It, what's interesting because a lot of people that we've interviewed also talk about like starting their careers at like either the worst depression, economic conditions. And I think there's a lot of opportunity. There's been three times in my career where I've been given a huge amount of opportunity due to like really shitty outward circumstances. Um, the first time being I moved to New York in 2000, right before 9-11. And I wanted to work in Web 1.0. And they were like, they fired everybody after, you know, the market imploded. And they're like, hey, if you got a camera and you want to edit and you want to pick a job, any job. Then the second time was 2008. But what did you actually want to be to be doing? Like, what was your dream career when you first started sending out those tapes? Like, who did you want to be? So everyone always asks that and asked that at the time, because apparently it's better when you have a direct plan. Um, but I always felt like I can't answer exactly what I want to do or what I want to be because in three years that probably won't exist. Everything was changing. So I didn't want to pigeonhole myself. What I did know is that I did not want to ever host SportsCenter. And really? that was a goal that a lot of people always had. And I just didn't want to do it. And actually when I was graduating, I also had an offer from ESPN um, to go work in Bristol and it would have been online. Um, but it would have been doing highlights. And, you know, if you work there for a little bit, I'm sure I maybe would have had the opportunity to go into TV there, but I just didn't want to live in Bristol first of all, and do highlights. And I would be in, working in the basement, just kind of doing the thing that would lead towards being a sports anchor. And I just never wanted to do that. So I, I chose something that was more outside of the box. I always knew I wanted to do something more creative. And I, I, when I say I like being in the editing booth, I really, to this day, love producing, writing, 
coming up with content ideas. Um, so sitting in an anchor desk and doing highlights was never the thing for me. And then um, right after um, college, where do you move? Do you, did you move directly here? No. So I went to school in Boston and then I worked for the Celtics and for WEI right outside of school. Oh, right so after. I stayed in Boston. And then um, I left WEI, I think after a year, I stayed with the Celtics. I moved to full-time with the Celtics. I actually created the job. I <laughs> It was a part-time job. And then I thought, I actually saw the Miami Heat, that they had a full-time reporter in-house and they were using it to mark for marketing purposes online. And so I put a PowerPoint presentation together and asked for a meeting with the president of the Celtics. And Unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, this is why you need to have this job. This is how much money I can make you. Um, so they created a full-time position and it still exists to this day. So, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I've, I've stayed close with, um, the different women who have done it after me, uh, which is really awesome. Yeah. So I did that. And then there was a lockout. Um, and I was nervous that I was going to lose my job at least temporarily. Um, again, not so much unlike right now when the different teams are faced with that decision. Um, I don't think anyone's done that yet, but it could come. And I very luckily got an offer from Fox Boston uh, to be their head sports anchor at 24 years old, which was wow. Nice. Um, so I was lucky. I, I moved right into that for about a wow. year and a month. I worked there covering all sports in Boston. And then I got uh, two offers one was LA at KCAL and CBS where I had interned previously. They had a position that opened up. And then I also got an offer from NBC in DC, um, which was a better job, more money, higher ranking. I was number three in LA and I would have been number one in DC, but I knew LA was the place to go. Can I jump back for a second? Because I find it interesting having met a lot of female sports reporters over the years, how they got into sports when they were younger. And was that like something you were raised with? Was it your dad? Like, we got to watch the, you know, the Celtics, we got to do this. Like how did, how did it start getting into your kind of world? Yeah. So I uh, was born in Chicago. Oh, okay. In the heyday of Michael Jordan. Are you excited for the documentary? Extremely. I'm going to, we already know uh, we're having a Lumel Lottie's pizza delivered, Chicago style pizza to <laughs> celebrate. You got to do what you got to do to keep yourself entertained right now. Yeah. Um, so my, yeah, I was the first child. So my dad and I watched a lot of sports together. Um, and I always loved basketball. So that, I mean, that era of the Bulls was, how could you not? And I used to memorize the starting lineup and my dad would like, shine flashlights on me and turn the lights off. That's the intro in all of yeah, that. Yeah, totally. So I used to do that. And I, I was always into sports, mostly basketball though. Um, you guys actually have uh, something in common because fast forwarding a little bit, you Zach has a history with American Ninja Warrior. Um, no yeah, so to, what, I want to hear all about your experience, but Zach, tell her a bit about well, your... I was on a TV show called Attack of the Show back in uh, 2006. On G4? Yes. Yeah. I was one of the main talent on that show, and they had me hosting American Ninja Warrior, which was their show back then. So oh, I would go to Japan. One. Yeah, season one. Yes. So it was me, and I would go to Japan. I ran the course once in in Mount, you know, Sasuke. Sasuke, yeah. yeah, Sasuke, yeah, yeah. right. 
And it was very funny. And then when it went to NBC, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get a job on network. I'm, I'm going to get, and then they bring in Matt Eisman. I was like, Matt, come on. I know Matt forever. Another dude I've worked with for years. So there, that was my history with the Ninja Warrior. Uh, no. <laughs> it's all good. Though. I know the how business. Did you, how did you get involved? Well, you know, what's crazy. I, it's, it all sounds like this was super streamlined and easy and I'm so lucky and whatever, but I swear <laughs> to you, I have worked my ass off and there have been many nights where I'm crying. Like I can't do this anymore. Um, so when I started working for CBS and KCAL in LA, um, I think I had been there for about a year and a half and, um, my agent called and said, uh, NBC wants to do a general meeting with you. So I didn't even know what a general meeting was at the time. Okay. I was 26, I think 20, no, probably 27. Um, and so I went to have this general meeting and he was asking me, the guy who I met with is now one of the top guys for Netflix for us. Was it Brandon? Yeah. Brandon. Yes. He's he's an amazing dude. (laughs) Yeah. So so I'm meeting with Brandon and we talk mostly about the Redskins because he's a Redskins fan. Uh, And I just left like, okay, that was fun. And then six months later, I I will never forget. I was having an awful day. I was frustrated with, with work. Um, just cause I, I always wanted to do more. And I went to Nordstrom cause retail therapy was always my thing. And I was like (laughs) in Nordstrom and my agent called me. He's like, Hey, remember that general meeting? Well, they're looking for a new host for Ninja Warrior and they're interested in you doing it. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty much yours. You just have to technically go audition, but um, are you interested? And I was. Isn't so, it weird how the yeah. world works like that? You take so many meetings, you meet people, and then one day someone thinks of you and your life changes. Yeah. yeah. I, it was kind of, it, that role was kind of perfect for me though. Cause I had done so many like sports interview type of things. And I also was trying to cross more into, um, like non-sports TV. So it was a perfect cross. And it just, it, is. it was very Cause entertainment, millions of people watch the show. It is different because yeah. sports fans are sports fans. Like that's what mm-hmm. one thing that I've seen. It's like, I, you know, the weird things that I've done, cause I'm not as big of a sports guy as Zach, but I've been lucky enough to be part of things that I didn't know how big they were. Like I did the theme song to UFC 207 with GEZ. I did the theme to, um, Skip and Shannon, and I've done you know work with you as well. But yeah. it's weird when I tell people, oh, I worked on The Voice or this, and then I say Skip and Shannon or a sports, and they're like, whoa! And I'm like, I didn't know that those were like, it's it's biblical for people. Like sports is one of those passion points yeah. um, that people just go crazy over. And again, because sports is so um, passionate, it also probably comes with. Are you ever worried about being saying or doing the wrong things in interviews that could cause controversy? Because I know that you have had some controversy <laughs> in your <Yeah>. past. <laughs> you know what? One of the greatest things was, and, and the worst thing at the same time is I was four when I got my job in Boston. And if you know anything about that sports market, it's brutal. The fans there love sports. That's number one. If you mess up, they're going to let you know you're done. So I learned real fast and got real, real thick skin quickly. Um, so I, I've kind of always had that. That said, then yes, I have been part of a few controversies since then. Um, and, and you just, you can't let it phase you. If I cared what every single person thinks, I would go crazy. I, I care 
about the people who love me and who I love. I care what they think. And that's it. But keep watching. Because yeah. Twitter, Twitter's a scary place. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I just think about it. It's like, who really has the time or who, what kind of a person are you to sit there and write something mean or negative to another person when I really care about their opinion anyway? So. I got to del- delete some tweets real fast. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to go find what you <laughs> Not about you. Oh, oh, oh. So when I first met you, um, you were just launching your show and you um, told me, you know, this is, uh, you know, essentially something different, something new. How did that even all come about? Because your show is totally different than a lot of the other well, sports. No, I know. But how did that how did that come about? Um, it was, gosh, it was a kind of a complicated situation, but, um, I was leaving the herd. It was, I just outgrown that, that role. Um, and so we were just coming up with a concept for me and a show, uh, for me to do. And I've always loved interviewing, um, just always. And I think that's really my strength. So we built it around that. And, um, I think Fox and IMG made a deal at the time that IMG would be producing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I worked with them producing that show this was your show that you had on fox sports yeah what was that called again fair game fair game and no longer on no longer on damn it come on fox you know what's funny too is or not funny but this would be the perfect time to air that show because it was evergreen and you could just air marathons of it and it didn't matter so yeah it would it would have been doing very well right now i think yeah and right now, you know, seeing all the stuff going on in the world with everybody, you know, on lockdown, what is the kind, what do you think is the future of content? Like, are you thinking about podcasting? What do you, what's the next move right now with you? For me right now, it's, it's really, so I, I executive produced my show, which I really enjoy. I mean, it's a headache, but I also enjoy the good parts of it too. Um, for me now it's, it's owning my content or being part of the development process. Um, so I'm working on some ideas right now and talking to some people about what I exactly want to do. I just, I need to have ownership of, of it in some way. Um, yes. and I just can't, I, I'm just not a talking head. I can't, I can't do that. That's never been me. So, um, podcast, definitely. I've had a lot of people ask if the show that I did before fair game could be in a podcast form. Um, I think a lot of people knew me from radio from the heart. So that is an easy transition. Um, And then with everything going on now, it's interesting because I think more people are watching broadcast TV than ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Broadcast TV, I felt like was almost completely dying. I don't think we're going to see a resurgence of broadcast. I think we're going to go right back to streaming and and streaming is doing really well right now too. I mean, Netflix stars and uh, Hulu, YouTube are doing Great. And I think it's just going to go way more in that direction. And I used to be like, ugh, I'm not going to do that. And now it's, um, it's better than traditional television. You know, my parents even cut the cord. They don't have cable anymore. So Most okay. people don't even know what cable package they have. When you log into like your Apple TV, they say, are you subscribed to a cable package? I was like, I'm going to skip that step. Cause I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> um, that reminded but, me I um, unsubscribe right now. It's mine. <laughs> 
you know, all jokes aside about the title of the show, Occupational Therapy, my new occupation is a podcast studio. We should figure out if there's stuff we can do with you because we're our first sports property is going to be coming out. Um, actually, we have two. We're doing something with JaVale McGee and possibly something coming up in and around the big documentary that everyone's talking about. But And also, okay. Zach, because yeah. she's Chicago, we might be able to – we're going to be doing some interesting stuff with Chicago people around that one. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, you should be involved with that. A hundred percent. The coolest moment or one of the coolest moments of my career, because I never got to actually work in Chicago, but I was covering a Celtics game and they were playing the Bulls in Chicago. And I watched mm-hmm. Bull Jordan statue. And I was nice. like, wow, that, that was like the moment where I felt like, okay, I made it. I've And I, that was like when I was working for the Celtics and it just, it was so cool to be walking into the United center as a worker. That's correct. And a few more things just cause we're, we're winding down with time, but social media and uh, how important is that for someone who wants to have a career in sports journalism and as a, in the hosting world, is it important? Do people care? You know, I'm still struggling with that because like on one hand, yeah, it's important because a lot of places will look and see your following to determine if they want to bring in that talent because they want the talents attached following. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, if you look at like the biggest um, actors and actresses, like you don't see Angela Jolie with an Instagram account or Brad Pitt. So it just, I think it kind of depends for me. I know that my social media is what drives like, the fair game YouTube account, unfortunately I don't own it. Um, but my, my following pushed that to get to a hundred thousand subscribers. So in that way, social media is important because it's my following that's driving access to the content, which, which is what I'm trying to do now with my YouTube page. Um, so it, it is important, but I guess it just kind of depends on the line of work mm. that you're in. And uh, who's done it right with social media in terms of uh, people in your field that you follow, that people follow and care about? In sports, it's so tough. I just, to be honest with you, I just, I don't really like sports social media. I don't. It's a lot of just negativity and crap. And I really try to stay away from it. Um, Scalabrini's done it well. Scal is funny. You know, I don't even know if I follow Scal right now. I should probably do on my show. Rex, um, Rex Chapman has done it well. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll take cues from you. It's yeah. It's usually the people who find humor in it. I just, it's like yeah. the cranky meh. I'm just, I've had enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> if there was any piece of it, Oh, Zach, go ahead. Uh, I listen, I know we have to wind down here and Jared, if you're looking to become like a sportscaster, I think this is a great time for you to maybe show us some skills. Uh, Christine, you want to maybe, <laughs> I have none. I don't. Let's I don't, see, man. Let's see what we can do here. Uh, it's Game Four of the NBA Finals. You're, in, <laughs> you're interviewing. Um, you're interviewing Javale McGee. Okay, I'll play Javale. No, you're interviewing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's go with Javale McGee. You're interviewing. Okay, what's the first question you ask him? This will say a lot. Hey, Javale. I really like that new single you put out with Bieber. I think that would get things off on the wrong foot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if sports casting is my calling. I don't know. If there was one piece of advice that you had that you would give to anybody trying to be 
the next uh, female sportscaster or anyone who's just in school, sitting in the edit bay, wondering how the hell am I going to get out of here and get my career going? What would you say to them? Uh, it would be to make sure you work your network. So that's how I have gotten almost every job I, I have had is by people that I know um, and staying in touch with them. So do those internships, make sure you stay in touch with the people who you interned with. And then when you are looking for a job, and this is the most important thing, ask for advice, don't ask for a job. Because if you say, hey, I, I need a job, can you give me a job? If the answer is no, the conversation ends, it doesn't go anywhere. But if you ask for advice, people are more likely to engage and stay engaged with you and then say thank you. I cannot tell you how many times I have people reaching out to me with questions and I'll take a lot of time and I'll respond and then I'll never get a thank you. And then two months later, they'll ask me for something else and I'm not going to take my time anymore. So make sure you say thank you. Well, on that note, I will say thank you for taking time with us because this is really, really cool. And look, I think that many people don't realize that the network is is everything. And some people have talent and some people have brains and some people figure out how to make it all work. And all the mentors that I've looked to for advice throughout my career have helped me at magical times when I didn't know that I would even need it. And I think that that's the difference between, um, you know, uh, you know, sh short money and long money view on, yeah. on this business. And it sounds like we're going to be hearing a lot more from you in the coming uh, years, but I want to work with you. So let's figure out how we get you into our podcast network and we'll talk offline. I'll do the music. You can do some sports. Over. Yes. We'll do a little swap. <laughs> You'll have to teach me because I know clearly nothing about it, but uh, let's, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk more about um, this other project we have coming up offline, but thank you so much. And stay safe during the quarantine. Let's see your dog again. Oh, okay. she's, she's sleeping. Hold on. What'd you name the dog, by the way? She just got her name today. I just finally named her. Her name is Daisy. Okay. I thought you were, were going to go with Rodman. Jordan was an option. <laughs> but I, I don't want people to think she's a boy. Like, right. It bothers me. Like She's a girl. She's sleeping right now. Look at her. Hey, I have a sports reference. Cheryl Swoops. That could have been the name of the dog. Whoops. So that's cool. No, Daisy, Daisy means new beginnings, and I think ah. we all need some new beginnings right now. So she's, uh, she's a little fine for that. Oh, she does not want to say hello right now. <laughs> all right. Well, this was Occupational Therapy with my co-host, Zach, and Christine Leahy. Thank you so much, and uh, we will speak to you soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.